0: hello everyone it's the (laughs) tales of lost omens panel and i'm just gonna get into it uh to make up for some lost time hi my name is luis loza i'm one of the developers here at paizo i work on the pathfinder lost omens line which is why they brought me on board here and i'm joined by a wonderful set of people and i figured i'd let them introduce themselves uh seeing them on my screen here we'll start with avi
1: Hi, uh, my name is Avi Kuhl. I'm senior editor uh, for Pathfinder at Paizo. And in addition to that, I have written uh, for some Lost Omens and I have done editing lead on a number of Lost Omens book, which uh, has been a great pleasure. So I'm excited to talk to you today.
0: All right, uh, next up is Eleanor.
2: Hi, I'm Eleanor Farron. I am the other developer on the Lost Omens line with Luis. We may or may not be clones of each other. Move on to the next slide because we're 20 minutes late. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, and finally, Mark Moreland. Hello. Hello, I'm Mark Moreland. I'm uh, Paizo's Director of Brand Strategy. Um, I spent many years in the development trenches where, um, where Luis and Eleanor are now, um, but now I work primarily with our uh, licensees and, and some of the um, you know, business side of things about where, where we want to take the brand years from now and making sure that we're, we're setting that stuff up now, including, um, seeing what we can do in terms of expanding the campaign setting beyond just, just the products we've got. So
0: Awesome. So we're here to tell you what's coming up in the future of Pathfinder, Lost Omens, and then everything related to the campaign setting. Uh, if we want to go to our first slide, we were going to take some time to talk about the history of lost omens so far look at all these wonderful books that we put out Uh, and we love them all Um, but we are wanting to move forward to tell you what's next so we're just gonna say hey throw in the chat what your favorite lost omens book is and uh we'll we'll be happy to hear from you but let's move on to our next slide where we talk about our first set of upcoming books in the lost omens line Uh, we're talking about the lost omens grand bazaar which is a big Book all about uh, shops within the city of Absalom. Absalom has the Grand Bazaar in the city itself. It's a place you can, a massive marketplace you can visit. And this book is here to really facilitate a trip to a place like the Grand Bazaar. It's set in that part of the, the city and it focuses on a variety of different shops that have a variety of different items for sale here. And what we're looking at right now is one of the various NPCs that you'll learn about in this book, who uh, was written up by our very own Avi. Avi, do you want to tell us a bit about who this character is?
1: Yeah, this character, his name is Arhan Benimaya, and he is a magical tattoo artist. So we introduced the concept of magical tattoos uh, early on in, I believe, Lost Omen's Character Guide. And from there, we haven't done much with them until now. So we simultaneously, we put them in Secrets of Magic and Grand Bazaar. So um, in addition to introducing some new magical tattoos, like we have uh, one that uh, can harness the powers of the polar winds, lots of cool stuff in there. Um, So Arhan is a tattoo artist and he can give you magical tattoos. Uh, that you can uh, buy in this shop. Um, and then there are also some story hooks in there. Uh, maybe you want your character to apprentice under him even um, and learn how to do magical tattoos. That's something that if you want to go down that story, you can do that. Um, his, his story is he is a uh, Shellanite refugee from Chelyax who came to Absalom, uh, I think I said he was around 12 years old. Um, And when he first arrived in Absalom, his family were running uh, like a little music lesson business to try to make ends meet. And he was doing portraits on the docks. And as he was trying to scrape together a living with his family doing that, he met a tattoo artist Um, who ran this shop called Kraken's Ink Tattoo. And eventually he becomes an apprentice there and now he runs the shop. And uh, what I really wanted to do with Arhan is create a character who is both interesting and likable and will be fun for your PCs to be friends with, but also represent a little bit of my heritage because my family are Sephardic Jews and, fled Spain during the Spanish Inquisition. And this was kind of the closest metaphor in the setting that I could think of to represent that story. So, and then I also did a little bit of research into historical tattooing pigments and methods, which you'll see in there. And yeah, I hope you all enjoy that. Oh, and no, nope, I forgot one last thing. He also does bartering on the side. So there are a variety of interesting relics from travelers all over the area. Relics in the general sense, not in the rules sense that you can find (laughs) in that shop as well.
0: Yeah. And we saw there uh, an image of the Kraken's egg tattoo. I think that was a stall that points you from the Grand Bazaar to where the proper shop is. He, Arhan has like a. I think if I remember right, a cobalt <laughs> buddy that runs the yes. <laughs> the booth that says, hey, here's cool tattoos you can get, go talk to Arhan and he'll get you the hookup. Um, yeah, so there are, I think I last counted, 23 different main shops featured in this book, each of them with their own NPCs and images. I've said NPCs of their shops, a lot of backstory about who these characters are and a lot of, uh information on the shop as well as some plot hooks for when the time comes that the players decide hey let's go buy some stuff and someone asks hey what's the shopkeep's name you can have one ready to go and ask you know shopkeep have you heard any rumors around they they have story hooks ready to go for you so uh if we go to our next slide we get to actually look at uh one of the tattoos Ami uh, avi mentioned which is the uh arctic vigor tattoo um it's a pretty cool thing when when you have it. It allows you to unleash blasts of cold wind, and and the greater version also like reduces uh, the effects of cold uh, around you. So there, there are a lot of different items. They're kind of scattered throughout these different shops. We like to imagine looking through the different book or through the book, you'll you'll find a variety of different items. It's not just all weapons in one place, and then all magical armor in the next, and so on. They're 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 really mixed up, and. It's kind of to encourage a a window shopping feel, like you're moving through the different shops and see something that might catch your eye, like this interesting tattoo. Uh, But the the other cool thing that we feature in this book, if we look at our our next slide, is a set of archetypes, Uh, one of which is the Spell Trickster. Uh, Spell Trickster draws from something that was featured in first edition Pathfinder, which were magic tricks you could take specific spells and augment them in specific ways beyond just their normal capabilities. And the Spell Trickster is is an archetype that's available to any spellcaster. Uh, So you can take things like Mage Hand, which normally just lets you pick things up and suddenly use it to pick locks and and disable traps and stuff. Or you can use your mirror image to create a flanking buddy for your your allies and stuff like that. So there's more than just items to be found. There's lessons to be learned within the Grand Bazaar that just a lot of stuff that that you can get while while you're here but once you're done shopping around you might move on to our next slide here and visit the the greater city of absalom with with our our next book which is absalom city of lost omens Um, a book that i'm sure you've uh, been patiently waiting for for a long time Uh, absalom is the city at the center of the world. Uh, Mark, do you mind telling us a little bit about what makes Absalom so important and why it gets its own book?
3: I mean, um, in terms of real world influences for Absalom, it was really like thought to be like the Jerusalem. It's the place where um, multiple religions have spawned out of this city. it was founded by the god Eridon when he became a god. Um, in raising the star stone out of the bottom of the um, inner sea, um, he ascended to godhood and decided, well, I'm just going to keep this stone here and build this city around it. Um, so for the last um, almost 5,000 years, um, Absalom has been around as a... Um, you know, sort of a hub where, um, all of the ascended gods faiths are, are based there. Um, and it's a center of trade. It's a center of, of, um, cultural exchange. Um, and so the, the idea was that no matter where your character is from or where your character's going, there's this, this city where you have a reason to be there. Um, so it's a place where adventures start or adventures can end, um, depending on what your ultimate goal is. So. That's that's sort of the history of, of Absalom
0: yeah. and, and what it's about. And Absalom also has a, a huge connection to the reason why omens are lost in the first place. If we look at our side, uh, next slide here, there's a, a very important figure tied to the the city of Absalom, which is Eridan. He, he is here holding the star stone, which I've mentioned to uh, a few of my coworkers. That looks so heavy to carry. I mean, anyone wow. that can pick something up that big is probably worthy of ascension to divinity right
2: he's <laughs> um, a god yes well <laughs> um, you know can god make a boulder big enough that he can't lift it well uh, yeah. eridan couldn't i guess uh. <laughs> eridan
0: <laughs> gained the power to make the
3: bigger boulders we'll see what happens in the future yeah. with those we don't um, know how dense that stone is that that really <laughs> could be like a yeah far heavier than it looks even Yeah, Um, so if we go to our next side, we we get to see uh, uh,
0: some of the artwork featured in in City of Lost Omens here, uh, including this wonderful parade. Eleanor, what's going on with this? What kind of celebration is this?
2: Just, oh, it's the celebration of Erdin, because he's such a cool guy and nothing bad could him. ever possibly happen to him. Um <laughs> so yeah, you can see there's like this Minotaur dude up front. That's Varadni Voon who uh tried to I think he was the first person to try and see Jebslom and then Erdin blew him up. Um he didn't actually blow him up. He caused an earthquake and made everyone fall into a pit. Uh but so you got a big parade, and that Aridin actor is gonna smack that Vraudny Voon actor, and then behind them you've got Discari, which is an uh, an awesome demon lord to make a parade float out of. Uh, but yeah, they're they're parading Discari around because Aridin beat him up too, although not well enough because he came back in. Wrath of the Righteous, which you can play on Steam now if you want to, and see what happened with Duskari. Um, <laughs> Finish beating him up. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is a big parade of all things Aridin, with lots of streams and banners, and it actually looks pretty fun. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of artwork. Uh, looking at our next slide here, just everyday life, not just the celebrations of Aridin beating up all of uh, Absalom's enemies, Um, just everyday life, (laughs) like, you know, traveling through the Grand Bazaar here with with all the, the, the goodies that you just bought. When I first Um,
3: saw this illustration, I just I couldn't help but call it the death stranding um, (laughs) illustration because (laughs) I first saw this around the time that book or that uh, movie, God, what am I? That video game came out, and so the idea of the person traveling who's far overburdened and they're doing it for like purely, you know, uh, uh, mercantile me uh, reasons. uh, It just was like, yeah, no, that's uh, that's totally what that guy is i so. mean that looks like an adventure that could be an adventure
0: coming back from with the spoils of a dungeon right like with how much stuff you find sometimes it's it's great uh, yeah there's a lot of uh artwork showing uh life in absalom but there's also lots of artwork uh looking at our next slide here about uh what the look of absalom is we, we in particular wanted to focus on things like absalom's architecture so we have a, a few different buildings here um one of them uh the one on the left here is the uh, bank of uh, Abadar, if I remember right. Um, the middle one is the Mother Sphinx, which is kind of a, an important figure, uh, kind of an icon of the city. And Eleanor, please help me. Do you remember what the third one was?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's in the foreign district, where uh, I think it offers lower taxes to foreigners and all the foreigners that go and live there. That's from the Vudrani phase when uh, sold. You mostly might know that name from the Impossible Lands because he sort of went over and founded Gelmiray, but also boats like kept going from that point and reached Absalom and like kicked off this whole, you know, craze because hey, these these new people have showed up and they have all these cool things and we want that and uh, so there's like a whole lot of Vudrani architecture in that area of the city from that period. And like, just going on further from that, because once you have it influenced there and everyone's like, oh, it's so classy, I love it. Uh, you know, architects keep using that motif, even if they might pick up others along the way.
0: Yeah, if I remember right, there's a bit in the intro or, or early on in the book where we describe the various phases uh, of history throughout Absalom. There's different ages, if you will. And with them comes all these different cultural considerations, like, oh, this is when the Boudrani stuff was really in uh, important and, and really in the norm and stuff, and then moves through all these different cultural shifts, which is a pretty interesting thing. I don't think a lot of uh, setting books have really delved into that too often. But it, of course, Absalom being as big as it is, is full of people. So we also have one last slide here where we get to show off a couple of the NPCs you might encounter in the city, which uh, include some that are <laughs> uh, not the ones you <laughs> You've might probably expect seen to see all of these before <laughs> you probably <laughs> have seen all of these before but they're 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 people who are tied to the history of absalom we have here this got the the king of the puddles if i remember right um and w- we have uh noir spirit skin uh Winston starborn and chun Sung, who is the the uh head of the clockwork guard if i remember right you might have even seen her earlier in the guns and gears artwork as well fighting alongside some other cool npcs so there, there's a lot of information on our npcs here we have what i believe 100 pages on npcs giving you details about their connections and who they are and who they know and how they all tie into everyone else it's it's a it's, lot
3: most it's the most intricately done yeah um, like appendix or or it's not even really a glossary i mean it really is just like a a really intricate web of npcs and each one points to two or three others talks about who they are friends with and who they're not and um, you could spend hours or more just just reading through that and just jumping from from npc to npc it's it's a lot
0: yeah so uh city of lost omens we're expecting it to come out in December, November, December-ish. We'll see what happens with shipping and everything. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier that Grand Bazaar is slated for just a few weeks from now. I think October 13th is its official street date. Um, So look forward to those two books. Uh, Right around the same time that Absalom is releasing, we have our next slide here, which shows off uh, another book we talked about a bit before, but get to go in depth a little bit here, called Monsters of Myth. Uh, As Eric mentioned in his keynote, uh, we had Lost Omens Legends uh, a a bit back and we're kind of giving monsters the legendary treatment here. We have 20 different monsters to present in Monsters of Myth, each with a full write-up on their background, a write-up on information on how to include them in your campaign at various levels, you know, low, middle, or high level play uh, along with their stat blocks and sometimes rewards for players in the forms of an archetype or a new magic item or things like that. Or it might have extra tools for GMs to play with them. There might be minions that they can use to supplement encounters or or to kind of serve as stepping stones leading up to uh, some of these monsters. But I think some of the most exciting thing that we have here is showing how these monsters are represented in the world Looking at our, our next slide, we, we have a lot of artwork that is meant to be cultural depictions of the monsters. These monsters are legendary. They're, they're mythical. So they are something that people talk about a lot throughout the setting. And, of course, it leads to things like artwork or tapestries like this one uh, of Desert's Howl, uh, a creature that's based out of the, the deserts of, of Thuvia. And, uh, you know, what do people... You know we have real world depictions of monsters all the time so of course in galarian they would have things like that as well but you know the depictions are cool and all we also give you artwork by showing you our next slide of what these creatures actually look like so desert how they're in the desert now this is probably not what he, i think i'd rather see the the tapestry than, than run into this guy in in the desert myself but there's there's a, a lot of cool ideas, I think, with showing off not only these depictions, but also the different types of art styles and stuff that come with them. Uh, during the keynote, we got to see uh, uh as well, who is kind of like a more medieval book style rather than that tapestry style. So we get a lot of different monsters. I'm going to uh go through a couple of the monsters that you can expect here um and see what everyone can tell me about these uh looking at our next slide I think Mark you can tell us a little bit about oh no okay so sorry got that mixed up well I'll ask Eleanor I don't know to what tell me that is to no I'll it, ask Eleanor too. to next tell line, me about next slide next slide so Eleanor I think you know pretty well who this character is
2: I don't think anybody knows pretty well what that character is (laughs) i wrote an entire adventure around not finding it (laughs) um but yeah um people may recognize her or may not uh she goes by the name of the mosquito witch uh nobody's sure if she's a mosquito or a witch but she likes mosquitoes, or at least they seem to like her. Um, and yeah, she hangs out in, around a village called Shimmerford, assuming she exists and isn't actually just a bunch of mites playing pranks on the town. Um, but uh, uh, nobody knows a whole lot around her. She got see, she was seen once by a group of teenagers in the dark and Rumor and hearsay and and telephone has basically spawned so many legends and myths around her that nobody actually knows squat. (laughs) Um, You can explore some of those if you want to play uh, the Pathfinder Society adventure, The Mosquito Witch, but uh, this book tells you some of the legends about her and offers some things that might be true, but ultimately, I
0: think we, I think we even offer it provides, it provides,
2: <laughs> yeah, it provides a way for you to make your own version of the mosquito, which depending yeah. on which you believe, or maybe she just doesn't even exist, maybe she's just a prank.
0: <laughs> Could be. Uh, let's look at our next monster and see maybe if this is the one I was trying to get. Yes. So this is Fafnir and I think Mark, you might know a bit more about (laughs) Fafnir than you would the mosquito witch.
3: Yeah. I mean, Fafnir is, is like the, the, the Uber, um, uh, Uber driver. Yes. Uh, no, is the, is like the the (laughs) pinnacle of, is the, is the, is the, um, the early you know, he's the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the pinnacle of of linormdom um and uh so you know we've got a whole nature and culture all about um uh, or in the in the setting all about uh killing these things to become a king so um i imagine there's there's a lot of of opportunity for this we've actually got a piece of um web fiction coming down the road where where um uh jake Tondro wrote a uh, an old english style um, uh, epic uh, written from fafner's uh, perspective uh, describing a major event uh, in the history of the world so um, that's something for folks to look forward to when this book gets gets closer um, is some some pretty fun um, fun fiction um, around him. For sure. Uh,
0: so Fafn here and mosquito, which represents some monsters that we kind of have already established in the setting. We also have a lot of uh, new monsters here. Half of the book is kind of established creatures and half is new monsters. And one of these is uh, this one here, Taljay. Uh, Avi, how comfortable do you feel talking about Taljay? Do you know? Yeah, I can talk
1: Are about sure? Taljay. This yeah, was one of my favorites. Yeah. It's one of my favorites in the book. I did not have the luck or the time really to read the entire book cover to cover when I was editing it, but I did edit this one. And Taljay is a creature that has a, um, it's neutral in nature in a very kind of sometimes, uh, sometimes benevolent, but sometimes chaotic, depending on uh, how you treat it. And it is uh, most distinguished by these masks. You, masks. You can see it's wearing a mask in this picture. And each of the masks that Taljay wears uh, have a kind of archetypal person associated with them, like uh, an elder, or um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the different like the other beast archetypes in general. Thank you. The yes. Noble. Yes. Yes, and so these masks, if you manage to get your hands on them, each mask has a unique set of abilities that they can grant anyone who wears the masks. And if you manage to impress Taljay, it will potentially give you one of the masks as a gift. So if you come across this monster, don't kill it. Don't try to kill it. First off, you can't. But then you get all the masks. <laughs> I don't know. You see, you're probably asking for trouble. <laughs> asking for major trouble. So yeah, Talche is potentially a friend, potentially a source of trouble, but something to be treated with respect and more yeah. of a force of nature than anything.
0: Yeah. So a, a lot of the something the to monsters... be treated
2: with like jelly
0: yes <laughs> yes uh, buckwheat
1: jelly is Tal j's favorite loves, food loves buckwheat jelly a,
0: a lot of the monsters in this book are just meant to be adversaries or are just straight up some of them straight up evil creatures but some of them we wanted to give a, a bit of nuance or, or interesting wrinkles so so j is, is one of those where it's like you might just never fight it. You might never need that stat block, but, or sometimes you might even win Tal J over and Tal J fights beside you and having that stat block with it uh, will help the GM figure out, okay, what, how much have I ruined my own encounters by, by doing that? You can it. do
3: that with, uh, with Fafnir here as well. If, if you want Fafnir yeah. here to fight with you, yeah, you'd totally do that. No problem. So Tal J is faced in. That's
2: called a cutscene, Mark.
3: <laughs> sometimes the GM needs a cutscene.
0: Yeah. Uh, Taujie is one of the monsters from around Galarian. It's based out of, of Tiansha, specifically. It's uh, out of Huanggat. Um So there, there's not just Avastan and, and Gurundi monsters. It's not all out of the Inner Sea. We want to give monsters from all over Galarian. So we touch Arcadia. We touch Chasmeron. uh There's just a, a lot of different places that these monsters come from. Uh, uh, most of the new ones are, are from, from around the world. But uh, we got one more monster I want to show off here because I know it's... Uh, everyone's favorite among the Lost oh God. group. Here. <laughs> uh This is one He's, called. You just wanted to play. <laughs> uh, coerces is a creature He's that the lives. Coercis. The Coercis. The coerces. Yes. Um, he lives in the. Uh, what's it called? The ta- something labyrinth in. in um, the barrier tagus? peaks tagus labyrinth i think yes i can't remember exactly off the top of my head um but anyway it's a creature that's trapped in this labyrinth it, that is uh, you know kind of stuck there there's there's magical um wards and everything the tagus labyrinth yes correct it's magical wards and stuff that keep this creature there um and people who go into the labyrinth can find lots of cool treasure but they also have to contend with the fact that this creature lives there no one really knows that it lives there but if you go there you might suddenly find yourself being followed and watched from from the shadows and well I like to think that the coerces just wants a friend uh and that's why you know he's been alone for a long time but uh it's a it's a pretty creepy creature there's a lot of information about um the different treasures that you can find in the labyrinth and and how the the labyrinth works uh and you know it's just a, a cool guy that you can meet while you're down there um but uh speaking of, of the labyrinth there's there's a lot of information on the different layers for some of these creatures uh, looking at our next slide we can look at the outside of Fafenhir's layer uh just the the ominous entrance to uh go meet your uber driver Fafenhir, and uh love you know, one of birds the birds for scale <laughs> um the uh the the book has information on what to find in in such layers, so it tells you a bit of the, the things you can find in Fafnir's layer it doesn't map it out or anything so gm's can use that as they like but it also tells you some of the, the treasures you can find inside like uh, our next side here which is a, the magical sword riddle it's a, a legendary sword that is apparently probably the best dragon slaying sword uh if not one of the, you know, top 10 for sure, uh, that is just very good at, at slaying uh, dragons. So, of course, Fafnir, not wanting to deal with that, has c- uh, claimed it and kept it in his hoard. So if you manage to sneak in, you might be able to get that sword and then fight Fafnir with it. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the, the various treasures you can find here in, in Monsters of Myth. Uh, and uh, I think we can move on to our next slide uh, to talk about... Uh, The last book that we can talk about here is Knights of Lastwall, which is, I think, actually slated for uh, spring release next year, April-ish at the moment. We don't have too much artwork yet because this book is in production, but this is a book, uh, much like the Pathfinder Society Guide, all about the organization, the Knights of Lastwall. So when Tarbophon broke out of jail and blew up an entire nation. It was a huge blow to the people of Lastfall and everyone working to defend Galarian for, from the Whispering Tyrant, but they were resolute and, and decided to move on and, and continue their campaign and, and reformed, and they formed the Knights of Lastfall. And this book is all about the organization, about what it takes to become a member of the Knights of Lastfall, the different factions and, and, and training that you can get among the Knights, it, it updates, some of the existing Knights of Lastwall archetypes, like the Knights Reclaimant or, or the Knight Vigilant, with with new archetype feats, and of course gives you a lot of background on the various NPCs, important figures, and and, and campaign hooks that are part of this. It even features um, a small, I think, ten page or so gazetteer on the Grave specifically, which is the, the land that was formerly Lastwall, to to hook up um, GMs with. A lot of plot hooks and ideas for doing their own Nights of Last Fall uh, adventures and campaigns. So it's a an exciting book. I think a lot of people are looking forward to getting to <laughs> rise up against uh Tarbifon and and his forces. Uh, Avi, I know you're currently editing this book. Tell me some of your some of the fun things that you've seen in this book that you're you're excited for people to see in the future.
1: Yes. So first off, this book is so well written. It's just been a real pleasure to edit. So I wanted to shout out both the freelance and the development process that it's been really, uh, it's been really good so far, Um, both the narrative and I've encountered some very fun mechanical aspects as well. One of the things that I've enjoyed most, though, is there are a variety of um, like in world just kind of chunks of text interspersed throughout and they have such great voice to them. Um, I'm not sure who wrote each one, but, uh, they all um, really carry kind of the mood of the knight in shining, shining armor, uh, and also have a good sense of humor. So I think this is a book that is highly readable and, uh, people are really going to like it.
0: Yeah. I wish we had more time to talk about this book right now, but because we're running short, I think we got to move on to our, our next bit uh, of information where we talk about our, our web fiction, our wonderful web fiction, uh, who uh, is being held by Mark here. Uh, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about how web fiction comes to be, what, what it even is, I guess, first, for people who don't know, yeah, if you're so, only reading the so- books and stuff?
3: Uh, yeah, for years and years ago in the before times, uh, Paizo used to publish novels, um, which were the Pathfinder Tales novels. Um, we released 36 or 38 of those um, during the life of the, the product line. Um, it's on indefinite hold right now um, because the the fiction publishing industry is sort of a mess at the moment. So we're just... Trying to figure out what our what our plans are for that. In the meantime, we still want to be able to tell stories that that enrich the world and the settings, um, that explore the past or um, the the legends that we can't necessarily always do easily in a uh, role playing game product. Um, so um, on a regular basis, usually once or twice a week, um, we'll release a uh, a piece of fiction uh, based on the the web. These are short, you know, two thousand words or less um, pieces. Um, that explore an aspect of an upcoming book or one of our iconic characters or something like that. And so um, they're, they're a great opportunity for people to get a flavor for the types of stories that you can tell in our world and with our, with our different rule supplements. Um, and we have, we have a lot of plans to, to try and expand those, sort of see, see how they can grow um, you know, as, as uh, interest uh, demands. Yeah.
0: Uh, we can go to one of our slides here. Next slide. I think this is one of the pieces that was used for the web fiction. Uh, specifically, this is leading up into the Shroud of Four Silences. Um, yeah. What, what was that exactly? I know there was this whole that kind of just, cool yeah, email thing. Just-
3: yeah, that was an experiment that we did. We've done it now once with uh, Pathfinder and once with Starfinder to release a, um, you know, twelve or thirteen chapter uh, novella in serialized form. Uh, By our uh, email uh, mailing list. So folks who've signed up for our emails, um, we send out a weekly newsletter um, and other communications. If you sign up for that, um, then we would send a a chapter every week of this story. Um, The Shroud of Four Silences was the first of those that launched last October or November, uh, written by Leanne Mercier. and uh, that's now been compiled and released as a as an ebook that you can get on Paizo.com or um, the the Kindle store. Um, and uh, we plan to compile the the Starfinder one as well. Um, and it, you know this is this is a marketing endeavor rather than a, a book that we're publishing. Um, so it's it's not we don't have quite as cut and dry schedules and and things as we do for our print products We're working on another one um, We'll see what the right time is to release that and what that content's going to be but we'll let everyone know um, so in the meantime you know go on on puzzle.com sign up for our newsletter and then when we do release more web fiction um, you'll you'll be sure to get that as well
0: yeah, I'm sure if people buy the the compiled, uh, stories there as well on the site that, that will tell us that, you know, we, you like these web fiction
3: and you know, it's, it's a little, um, off, off topic and I know we're running, running, uh, short on time here, but, but we just yesterday announced uh, pathfinder and Starfinder infinite, which is a, a partner program that will allow, um, community members to tell their own stories in our worlds, um, and sell those on, on, you know, a safe harbor marketplace where we're not going to come after them for using Valeros or um, the Whispering Tyrant or whatever in, in their uh, their fiction. And, and we actually encourage it. So I'm really hoping that that sort of um, lights a spark in, in, in the, the fiction uh, community and people really start delving um, into the, the rich uh, setting that we've got and, um, and telling their own stories there. And, um, you know, if we see a whole bunch of people uh, writing fiction and buying fiction there, then that's going to be even more um evidence that we should uh, perhaps put our toe back in that that water um with with some longer form fiction ourselves
0: okay great i, I mean i love the fiction I, I i think i was super hooked with my first bit of fiction reading it out of the ap's so I just i love to see that it's still going um and I would love to keep this panel going, but I think we're, we're just about out of time here. We had a, a time for questions, but I think that's going to have to unfortunately hop over to the Discord. If you're on the Discord event server, there is a Tales of Lost Omens channel that you can come by. I'll be there answering your questions at the very least, and I'll try to actually grab the list of questions we had for this and maybe throw them in there and, and answer them uh, You know, to make up for this lost time. Uh, before we go, I think I want to ask everyone just a quick... What's the fun thing to look forward to with Lost Omens or Web Fictions uh, in, in the coming months? Uh, you know, from a cool item or an NPC or something. Uh, starting with Avi.
1: Oh no, on the spot. Um, oh jeez. Uh, Here, I, I can think... say
0: mine. I can say mine. I think uh, you should before. go first. <laughs> okay, I'll go first, uh, and I might end up stealing yours, Avi. There's a a a. Different uh, set of squads and stuff, without throughout the the Knights of Lastwall uh, that you know just banded together. Like, hey, this this group and this group, and they kind of all do their own thing. And one of them is a group uh, of sprites that have gathered together to become a sprite cavalry. They they ride around on their corgi mounts and are known as Wing Squad and help support the Knights of Lastwall in forests and stuff like that. So I think a lot of people will like learning about Wing Squad when that book comes out.
2: Every time you murder an undead, a fairy gets his wings.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I am... Oh, go ahead, Mark. No, you you were already going
3: in before. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah, I think I am still... The book that I keep talking about and the book that I'm most excited for is Grand Bazaar. I think you will all be uh, really entertained by the items. That's one of the things that's so great about that book is some of the items are really quite funny. Like there's some eel related items in that book. Look forward <laughs> to some eel related items. That's gonna be mine. Great. Um,
3: I guess right, I'm next. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I think that uh, one thing that's sort of emerged in the web fiction over uh, over the last year or so has been a, a little through line of some, some little breadcrumbs that are being dropped by um, primarily one author who sort of started doing it on her own. And then I was like, Hey, what are, what are we, what are we pointing toward here? Um, And we've got some interesting um, thoughts about what's actually going on in the, in the background and where that comes to fruition and where it leads, whether that's in uh, stays exclusively to web fiction or um, leads somewhere else into a different type of product uh, down the road. I don't know. Um, But uh, keep an extra close eye on on that, and I'm interested to hear what uh, theories the internet uh, comes up with.
0: (laughs) All right, Eleanor, do you got something?
2: Uh, Sure, there's an item in Grand Bazaar. Uh Actually, there's two swords in Grand Bazaar that I really like, but I'm only gonna give you one. (laughs) Um, There's an item in Grand Bazaar where um, it's a sword and if you take the sword and you put it in your mouth, you turn into a wolf that has a sword in its mouth. So, if you want to be uh, the great wolf from Dark Souls or, you know, the Pokemon Zacian or Wolflink or whatever, you can get that sword and do that.
0: It's going to be great. So well, good. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you to my fellow panelists for uh, helping us out with telling everyone what's next in Lost Omen. So everyone have fun at Gen Con, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again later. Bye-bye.